This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 179 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have the beginning of the new chapter, a very exciting episode on Ned Kelly and the Bush Ranger. But first, a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners this would be a good one to listen to if this is your first episode and if you enjoy it head right back to the very beginning or wherever you want to check out in fireside and see the journey we've been making to up to nearly four years now and if you're a returning listener as always thank you so much for your continued support i'm excited to share this new episode with you all the usual things if you have not done so already please follow me over on instagram at fireside bard that's the best place to get in touch with me if you have any queries questions thoughts comments or if you just want to say hello uh if you're not on social media and you want to do any of those uh, please do email me at the fireside sidebarred at gmail.com ways you can support the podcast are you can tell a friend and help spread the fire far and wide you can buy my poetry book garden sea that'll be my personal preference um of ways you can support me in the podcast and in a way that you can engage with something you'd hopefully enjoy as well my poetry book garden sea and neo myth of home is available from headstuff.org in paperback or in kindle version on amazon paperback can be shipped anywhere around the world um, and thank you to those who continue to buy it. And of course, if you want, you can support the podcast directly by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Those are the hard sells out of the way, now down to the business. I'm very invigorated and very excited with uh, this week's episode. This was something that came to me totally by accident. This hadn't been on my radar or something I was planning on doing, and then it just fell in my lap, and it seemed like the answer to a problem that I had had. I'd spoken in recent weeks about wanting to cover Irish-Australian folklore while I'm traveling around Australia, still working with the world of musicals, uh, traveling all around the country where nearly at the end actually of our five months down under which has been incredible and we're in the state of victoria at the moment and a couple of weeks ago i did a story on the the seven sisters this aboriginal indigenous folktale from uh going to darwin and 
But I wanted to focus in on the Irish, the Irish Australian experience, particularly just because that's something I'd naturally have a bit more of a frame of reference to and feel more appropriate adapting um, rather than um, pretending to have an idea of the experience of the indigenous Australia by adapting their folklore. Um, but I've been looking around this figure, but he was not someone I was going to engage with myself. And then I thought if... I'd done Grainne Whale and Grace O'Malley, if I'd done Brian Baru, if I'd been doing these historical figures that had become more characters of folklore themselves, then there's no one better to cover uh, when talking about the Irish-Australian experience than Ned Kelly. And he is the subject of this week's episode. Not just this week's episode, but I've written three episodes about Ned Kelly. Three very specific different parts of his life and about his legend that'll be split up over the next six weeks, alternating with more stories of Fionn McCool. Uh, the, yeah, the idea was to just do one, but the more I started to learn about him, um, the more the deeper it became and the more I wanted to do and it was a gift that kept on giving and he's a name I always knew in Ireland I knew there was this Irish Australian figure I knew there was a film by Heath Ledger with Heath Ledger in it and a recent one starring George Mackay but ultimately Ned Kelly was not a figure I knew a huge amount my brother and my mother always talked about the film and but when we came to Victoria um, and we arrived in Melbourne and we were looking for things to do around Melbourne, one of the things that came about was the old Melbourne jail, uh, which is where Ned Kelly was hanged. So myself and my brother went to the jail and looked around it, and that was my seeing the site where Ned Kelly was hanged and seeing the suit of armour and seeing all of this information about him and his gang with his brother and his friends this was the perfect introduction to a character that I was totally ignorant to otherwise. Uh, and then the the journey kind of kept getting better and more serendipitous. We were playing in a town called Wangaratta, uh, which is very near to Glen Rowan, which is where Ned Kelly had his last stand. Uh, so myself and Kieran went to Glen Rowan and we saw where Ned Kelly fell and had his last fight, went to the most... Uh, bizarre and wonderful experience called Ned Kelly's Last Stand which was like an animatronic reenactment of Ned Kelly's final fight uh, which was basically like a Pirates of the Caribbean from Disneyland but in Australia uh, I couldn't recommend it anymore it was an incredible experience but so seeing where he got hanged seeing this final fight uh, and being in that town and then um, a, a big personal thing for me is I've always been a massive fan of Nick Cave and I saw him uh, in a Q&A session. I saw him in a big gig. And Wangaratta was actually the town that Nick Cave grew up in. And there was this incredible mural of him, like, underneath the bridge and the theatre had. And as long as I've been playing in Australia, for as long as I've had the opportunity to play here over the last few years, I've always wanted to play in a theatre that Nick Cave played into. And I got to do that. And then when I was just reading back up about his experiences in Wangaratta, I discovered that Nick Cave has always been obsessed with Nick, Ned Kelly as well. Um, and in fact, his son Earl Cave played Steve Hart, one of the Kelly gang, in the most recent, uh, the most recent film adaptation. Um, but all of that, just as a little preamble, because I want to get down to the story now um, of this incredible serendipitous and appropriate reason why this figure, this folk hero, and very controversial figure as well, as we will soon find out, in Australia and in the wider world. Um, and I look forward to sharing with you now. This is the first part. This is Ned Kelly and the Bush Ranger on Fireside.
Ned Kelly and the Bushranger. Ever since the colonization of Australia, the Irish have been there, willingly or otherwise. Irish convicts were among the very first transported to this new world on the other side of the globe, and those that survived the hard labour were released into a world unlike their homeland in every conceivable way. The weather was harsher, and the space immense, and the wildlife deadly. What was similar for the Irish, however, was the oppressive system that they were once again subjected to. And there is no figure more legendary or more controversial in the story of the Irish experience in Australia than that of bushranger, horse thief, murderer and freedom fighter Ned Kelly. From his earliest brushes with the law to his last stand in an actual suit of armour, Ned Kelly has been thought of in equal measure as both hero and villain. But before we decide which he is, how is it that this Aussie-born child of Irish immigrants became the most iconic figure in Australia? Well, the story begins with the theft of pigs. Two pigs, to be exact. That's the crime that John Red Kelly was arrested for. He had been trying to steal food for his family in County Tipperary in the first half of the 19th century. For his crime, Red Kelly was transported to Van Diemen's Land, the old name for the state of Tasmania, and sentenced to years of hard labour. But Kelly survived and moved to the colony of Victoria on the mainland and married an Irish woman. Ellen Quinn had come from Ireland with her parents from Ballymena in County Antrim when she had been 12 years old. But it didn't matter that Red Kelly was an ex-convict, or that his new bride was an honest woman. The Kellys were Irish. The Irish spoke their own language. They were Catholics, unlike the English Protestant majority that had colonised Australia. For these reasons, the Irish were deemed especially untrustworthy and the Kellys were two of many to become victims of a corrupt and oppressive system. Red and Ellen were selectors, a name for poor people who were assigned a selection of land on a much larger estate. The idea was that if you could cultivate your small plot of land, you would one day get to buy it from the government. The corruption came in the form of squatters. The squatters were the original European landowners who had squatted on the land. The government had allowed the squatters to keep this land on the condition that they rent small portions of it to poor selectors and give the selectors the opportunity to buy the land. The squatters fiercely resisted selection by usually giving away untenable land that could not be made profitable and so could never be bought. Red and Ellen Kelly were given such a property, and so persecuted by the squatocracy. Nevertheless, the couple had a large family of eight children. Their eldest surviving son was named Edward, or Ned Kelly. Immediately a boy who loved the outdoors and horse riding, young Ned watched his father Red struggle to find work and make ends meet before eventually being sent to prison 
for another term of hard labour. The first part of the Ned Kelly legend came not through crime, but heroism. Aged 11, Ned was walking home when he saw a seven-year-old boy drop his hat in the river. Reaching in to retrieve it, the boy fell into the rapids and began to drown. Young as he was, Ned was big and strong for his age. Not to mention clearly brave, because Ned Kelly dove in and saved the boy's life. The family of the boy presented the heroic Kelly with a green sash with a golden trim. Proud Irish colours. It became Ned's most prized possession and he treasured it for the rest of his life. In fact, that same green sash was with Ned when he made his last stand at the siege of Glen Rowan. But that's not for some time. Ned Kelly had been set on an early path for greatness, but tragedy would always stand in his way. Red Kelly got out of prison. His body had survived another term of cracking rocks, but his spirit never left the jail. A broken man, Red Kelly soon drank himself to death. Ned Kelly stood at the grave of his liver-poisoned father. He was now the man of the house. He was twelve. Ned Kelly now had to think of his six surviving siblings, and his mother Ellen. But he was still a child, and longed for a father figure. Ned found his mentor, his Obi-Wan, his Uncle Ben, in a bearded, scarred bush ranger named Harry Power. Bush rangers were the Australian outlaws, Figures who roamed the still uncharted outskirts of harsh terrain on the run from the law. And the Irish Waterford-born Harry Power had been in prison when he had met two of Ned's uncles. Even the extended Kelly family had frequented trouble with law and order. Ned's uncle, Jack Lloyd, had told Harry Power that when he got out of prison he should go to the town of Greta where Ellen Kelly had moved her family. Months before his sentence was served, Harry Power broke free from Pentridge Prison. He would be hanged if he was ever caught, and so he decided on a new life of freedom, of horse theft, of bush ranging. Power found in Ned Kelly an impressionable apprentice who could learn the new career with him. But when Ned Kelly and Harry Power staked out their first bounty, stealing horses from wealthy squatters, the two were spotted by the landowners and fired at. A gunshot landed near Ned's face, spraying dust and pebbles in the boy's eyes. Harry Power had stupidly got them both into this mess, but he would also get them out. The two narrowly evaded capture and escaped on the two horses they had rode in on. Lucky to still be alive, never mind free, Ned decided to distance himself from Harry Power. But his own first criminal accusation was not far off. A Chinese pig and fowl dealer named Ah Fook reported Kelly to the police. Fook claimed that Kelly had beaten him with a stick, called out, I am a bush ranger, and stolen ten shillings. Ned gave evidence corroborated by his sister and two other witnesses. Fook had actually stopped by the Kelly household and asked his sister Annie for water. 
When this turned, Afuk assaulted Annie Kelly, prompting Ned to emerge from the house and rush to his sister's aid, beating the attacker away. The evidence was believed, and the charges against Ned were dropped. With a resentment for the authorities continuing to fester, and the more the Kelly family struggled, the stronger the call to bushranging became. Kelly teamed back up with the only man he knew who had the ability to gain money for the family, his old accomplice, Harry Power. And together they rode around Victoria and the borders of New South Wales, committed to a series of armed robberies. But the relationship between Ned and Power deteriorated when someone tipped off the authorities to Power's location. Harry thought that young Ned had betrayed him. The whistleblower was actually Ned's Uncle Jack, the very one who had told Harry Power to go to Greta in the first place. But while the man was willing to sell out his friend, he would not do the same to his nephew. Ned was brought forward on three separate charges, but could not be convicted because he did not fit the description. Witnesses claimed Power rode with a half-caste, a derogatory term for someone with a mix of Aboriginal and European heritage. The even more racist attitude towards the Aboriginals blinded the authorities to Ned Kelly, who only seemed dark from his apparently unwashed face. On this occasion, Ned went free, but neither power nor members of the community ever fully believed that it was not him who had testified. Kelly would later say, They think of me as a black snake. A local paper, the Banala Ensign, wrote in 1870 of Harry Power, The effect of his example has already been to draw one young fellow into the open vortex of crime, and unless his career is speedily cut short, young Kelly will blossom into a declared enemy of society. Ned had been associated with a criminal. He was a Kelly through and through, as they saw it. They would get him somehow. It would not be long before their opportunity arrived. Isaiah Wild Wright was a horsebreaker who asked his friend Ned Kelly to look after a borrowed horse. Ned adored horses and personally fed, groomed and rode this horse every day. As Ned said of her, she was a chestnut mare, white face, docked tail, very remarkable branded as plain as the hands on a town clock. When he was spotted riding this magnificent beast around Greta, the policeman thought the horse far too fine for the likes of Ned Kelly. He called the boy over and asked to talk to him. When Ned had dismounted, the constable attempted to handcuff him. Ned resisted, and when the horse became frightened and bolted, Ned ran after the beast. The constable drew his pistol and said, Don't move, Kelly, or I'll blast you here and now. Ned stopped in his tracks and said, Shoot me or be damned. The constable fired and the gun jammed. He fired two more times before Ned Kelly, with all his frustration, punched the officer and knocked him to the ground. Apparently it took roughly seven others to pull Kelly off and restrain him. Ned would later say, I dare not strike any of them there as I was bound to keep the peace or I could have spread those curs like dung in a paddock. He was eventually subdued. The constable beat Ned bloody with the butt of his jammed pistol. After he had been pistol-whipped, Ned was taken to the station and protested his innocence. 
He claimed the horse wasn't stolen. It was belonging to Wild Wright. He claimed he had been profiled and persecuted for his name and religion. A report of a stolen horse was produced, with the constable claiming that that was why he had called Kelly over. However, the report was dated five days after Kelly had been arrested. The evidence was false, but that didn't matter. Ned Kelly had resisted arrest and assaulted his officer. At 16, he was sentenced to three years of hard labour. The broad, tough, former bushranger would either emerge resilient and stronger, or broken like his father. To make matters worse, Ned's younger brother, Jim Kelly, was sentenced to five years in prison for stealing five cattle. He was just 14. This was the harshest sentencing for one so young. While Ned smashed rocks in prison, still sure of his innocence, the real horse thief, Wild Wright, was apprehended. The horse had been stolen all along, just not by Ned Kelly. Wright, on the other hand, was given a sentence of 18 months, half of Ned's sentence. All the while, Ellen Kelly and her remaining free children struggled. She turned their windswept harsh selection into a boarding house to make ends meet, while they waited for the release of her children. At 19, Ned Kelly was released from jail. Now finally a man, even though he had been forced to become one at the age of 12. Ned was embittered and angry with a system that had failed him and his family. But he did not want to let the system win. Ned Kelly vowed to find honest work and to become an honest man. But the British authorities in Australia were not kind to ex-convicts, especially not ones named Ned Kelly. Many wanted to bring him down and make a name for themselves, including a young fellow Irishman named Alexander Fitzpatrick. Ned Kelly would soon be forced back into a life of crime. But before that, there was a score to settle. The matter of the horse theft. Isaiah Wild Wright had stolen a horse and Ned Kelly had been blamed and imprisoned. So Ned challenged Wright to a bare-knuckle boxing match. After between 14 and some say as many as 20 rounds, Wild Wright fell and Ned Kelly was the winner. He had cemented his reputation as one who would fight against injustice, particularly injustice against him and his family. To be continued. According to Wikipedia is a podcast that dons an old-fashioned diving suit to take a deep dive into the depths of Wikipedia with your intrepid hosts, Rebecca and Fanula. Each episode, we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community, exploring topics such as harnessing the viral meme potential of Wikipedia articles, why librarians are Wikipedia's biggest fans, how Wikimedians created the largest photography competition in the world ever, and why do some Wikimedians love soft toys so much? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia.
that is the first story of Ned Kelly, Ned Kelly and the Bush Ranger on Fireside. And I really, really hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been a really, really special one to do. Um, and I think particularly with how I've written these, usually, naturally, these episodes are written um, either a little bit beforehand or just beforehand, depending on how on top of the things I can keep and all. Um, but I found with Grania Whale, when I was adapting Grace O'Malley, which was across five was five or six, I think five episodes, across ten weeks. And I was adapting them kind of as I went. Um, and I found that with them spaced out, I was losing sense sometimes of what had been done and of the the greater story in general. Because while I want them these, sto- these to stand alone and be individual chapters that can be listened to out of sequence or in any order... Um, when it's history, you know, and you don't want to deceive people and you don't want to give false information and not be bound by it, but like certainly not to give misinformation if at all possible. Um, it is important to know what you have covered and what you haven't covered and just to keep a sense of the thing overall. So I said I'd write all of these together. So just in the last week, I took a break from the book I'm writing and just wrote uh, the next five episodes. So I've written all three of these episodes on Ned Kelly as well as two other um, stories on the Fianna which I'll be doing next week and in three weeks time and that really I feel that was a really good idea and that that's something I will endeavor to do if I'm ever doing multiple part stories especially on folk or historical figures again um, because I really did keep a sense of the story overall um, and feel like they're three very important chapters again considering my intention was to just do one episode on Ned Kelly um, but I think it's a number. It's it's how serendipitously it came up. The fact that it was all new information for me as well. The fact that I'm here. I'm still in Victoria. I'm recording this from uh, the town of Sale. Now we had another show tonight. We've had a sh- run of ten shows. I recorded the last episode when we were in St Kilda, which was last week, um, and we haven't had a break since. So it's been ten shows in a row, and we've a day off tomorrow, and um, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, so the fact that we're still in. Kelly country as they call it here um, and for such a controversial divisive figure even nearly 150 years later this has all felt very potent again because this is about this very early Irish experience in Australia and being an Irishman in Australia um, running an, an Irish storytelling podcast this just feels like something that should have always been on Fireside but I'm so happy it waited until a moment like this when it was when it was right and ripe because my sources for this have been um, much more primary uh, because it's so recent. It's the most recent figure that we've ever done. I haven't covered a figure on Fireside that has been able to be taken a photograph of. You know, there are no photographs of Brian Baru or of Grania Whale. Um, there is like proven documents of Ned Kelly talking, including the incredible Geraldry letter, which. Uh, We had a few quotes from in this one, and we'll have a lot of quotes from in the next episode, talking about the Fitzpatrick incident and the Stringy Bark um, murders. Um, He wrote this incredible document that he dictated to his friend Joe Byrne that is his justification, it's his manifesto. And regardless if you believe him or not, because there's, from the research I found, which has been a lot of stuff on the internet, um like from as basic as Wikipedia, because the Wikipedia has been really extensive of this, um, 
to a load of specific uh, Iron Outlaw was another website that I went on quite a bit uh, that I tried to look on for specific characters and specific incidents. I read as much as I could, possibly um, Ian Jones uh, is the big biographer on A Short Life, Ned Kelly. A lot of uh, quotes um, and a lot of information has come from them. A lot of stuff from YouTube. So when I'm uh, trying to put together any sources that I've done, it's it's come from kind of everywhere. And I'll try and put links to the stuff I found the most interesting. But if I was to recommend anything of like the Kelly myth to read, I would read the Geraldry letter, um, which is a 56-page handwritten 8,000 word document that he dictated to his friend and it's just getting to hear his story in his own words and it doesn't matter if you just see him as unworthy of all of this because I'm aware that like I want to present everything that I know and like to not make a decision to let you make a decision about whether he's a hero or a villain worthy of praise or just like a thief and a murderer um but it is it is obviously very hard not to be as a storyteller to get swept up in the myth of Ned Kelly, and it's I think it's very easy to see why he has captivated the imagination here and around the world for so long. Um, he there are more books written about Ned Kelly than about any other Australian, um, which which kind of says says quite a bit. And I liked certainly be, beginning it in in Ireland with his parents having come over from Balamina and from Tip and because when so many stories of Irish abroad or Irish in Ireland when it's so often throughout history is this clash between Catholic and Protestant between Irish and British um, this is kind of different you know it comes it stems from the same sectarian conflict it stems from Irish and British and um catholic and protestant but here as we'll discover more so it, it's way more about a system a police system and a governmental system because as we'll see a lot of these police officers and these people who challenged and fought against ned kelly were also irish so it's not the typical irish english rivalry it's it's a lot more gray a lot more complex than that which of course ultimately makes it so much more interesting um I could go on and on, and we'll we'll. I'm so happy I get to talk more and more about it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything more specific that I want to talk about. This specific, uh, the squatocracy is is um, the first like, which is their pawn on the aristocracy, which was yeah to to talk about again this idea that those first settlers, whether they were released convicts or whoever else or illegal settlers, they just claimed these massive. Like Australia is the size, roughly, of North America, but it has a population of 32 million now, whereas America has a population of roughly 350 million. So that's the amount of empty land you're still talking about today, never mind 150 years ago. And this, all this land was taken, and the government went, okay, well, you've taken it, and we don't want to take it off you, but can you at least give these more, these new people coming in to boost the economy and, you know, modernize and make Australia a thing, um can you give them some land? And the squatters were like, no, we were here first. Why should we give them any land? So they gave them these like poor shit, awful little tracts that couldn't be farmed any anyway and expected them to just make their living and have no hope of buying. And Red and Ellen Kelly were subjected to that. Um, so that's the world that you're starting with. Um, and that's what I want to present. I 
there are so many versions, as I say, of, of every incident with Ned. And even though it's more recent and there is written, there's primary records, there is like court documents, um, quotes from all sides, uh, it's still like just that little bit early where there's a huge amount of he said, she said, and we'll never, and I can't present everything, and I'm trying to present just one narrative and like a stream of, uh, like to tell these stories and just to have a flow. Like I love that there's Harry Power, who very much was, as I said, this Obi Wan Kenobi, this this Uncle Ben figure, this mentor figure for Ned when he had lost his uh, father, and you see immediately why there's so many movies and books that have been based. It just lends itself so naturally into storytelling. But yeah, I'm not gonna like deceive and to the best of my ability not get swept up in it and present like the fact that there was just legitimate like like crimes here there was murder there was theft there was awful things committed whether there was incentive or not um and it's important for me to try and present everything because that's the most interesting, and then that becomes really like the least biased. But as I'm sure you can tell by me, there's nothing. That's, this is really, really engaging stuff, and I'm loving this. And I really, really hope you enjoy this too, and enjoy these next couple of weeks because I'm very, very excited, very excited to be recording this and to have more to go. Um, so with that, I will wrap things up. But as always, I, ho- I look forward to hearing from you um, at Fireside Bard on Instagram. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Any questions, queries, happy to answer uh, before I record the subsequent episodes. Um, buy my book, book Garden Sea, at headstuff.org. Um, support at headstuffpodcast.com. Spread the word of Fireside. Um, I'll s- next week, we have another story from the Fianna. Um, we have another one of our giant tales. It's episode 180, actually. We have a great story called The Grecian Princess, um, which is a great story of Fionn and Conan Whale and another big Fiona tale, which is great to do. Um, these are really exciting episodes. It's great to be so excited about all the episodes at the moment and to have know where we're going for the next couple of months again. Um, I've got, yeah, great Fiona tales coming up and then more stories of Ned Kelly. Look forward to them all. So I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 